There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Episode 19, baby. Mm-hmm. Baby, baby. How are you, Mim? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. What about you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, thanks. Um, it's Halloween week. I know. I feel like a bit of a sucker because I'm, I'm not really that great at dressing up or having the will to dress up. But I see all these other people online, yourself included, really putting the effort in and I wish I was that person I just love it I just love fancy dress more than life itself um and I don't like horror fancy dress I like kind of like I like well I like making fun of myself like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not someone who's gonna dress sexy for Halloween no you're not gonna find me doing that I want to be maybe a little bit ironic, a little bit funny, something mm. that not normally like girls would go as, or like the boy version that's not like got. I mean, you did um, do the devil. You did. You did kind of sexy devil makeup. Like it wasn't a body shot, but it was definitely like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sexy devil. Well, I think that's probably like the closest I'll go. I'd say that was more. It was more of like a like it a make. It was a makeup look, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was glitter. Um. But yeah, so I like I like it to be a bit about makeup or something like that, um, rather than like some like sexy outfit. Mm. Um, but you know what? Mm. It leads me swiftly on to my fashion story. Oh, take it away! Um, because it's Halloween, mm-hmm. and obviously, no one should be going to Halloween parties at the moment <laughs> unless there's six people and you're not in tears two or three. It'll just be like um, a, it'll be like a link up in the supermarket aisle. <laughs> See you at eight in Sainsbury's, thirty first of October, guys. Yeah. Well, myself and my flatmate, we are having a Halloween party, but when I say party, it's just the two of us. Um, so yeah, um, I was going to ask you, what are you dressing up for Halloween? <gasps> if you are, and oh. if you aren't, what would you have dressed okay. up for Halloween? Oh God. Okay. So. I have been toying with the idea of doing some like little spooky little thing in the house. Um, But that's as far as my thoughts have gone. It's just like, should I? Um, I do have a cute little like pump. I have like um, what they call like those tea light candle Mm -hmm. things. And one's a pumpkin, one's a cat, one's a little scary ghost. And I have those burning for the past week to, you know, set the mood, the scary, the scary room. (laughs) in terms of dress up, I haven't given any thought to. So maybe I think I would want to do like recreate an iconic music video because uh-huh. I I love, love those it. ones. Mm. I might do Whitney Houston, The Bodyguard. Ooh, I might like you know out in the forest, like in the in the snow. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I might do, oh God, I think like Dolly Parton would be great. Oh, I would love to do Dolly, but I think you yeah. need, you need to spend some top dollar yeah. on a costume. Like rhinestones need... ain't cheap. No, it, well, <laughs> as Dolly famously says, it costs a lot of money to look this, to cheap. Look this cheap. I know. <laughs> um, who else do I think is great? Um, I I recently saw on Instagram there's this like American artist called Sweetie and mm-hmm. she recreated um Bootylicious Destiny's oh, Child music video amazing. but she played all three like Michelle Beyonce wow. Kelly the outfits are like on point like Miss Tina must have like restitched mm-hmm. them for her um so something along those lines i love those ones i think they're like timeless and they're funny as well Mm. yeah yeah i like that i like that what about you well considering i am dressing up for halloween this year um i'm going for like it's mainly um driven by makeup as i said before Mm. so i'm doing i can't think of her surname but the girl Violet from Willy Wonka who oh. has the blueberry explode in her face. So I'm going to do, I found this oh. makeup look where you just like have like a little blue explosion Um, just need to take a photo with like oh a bubble. God. But yeah, it's really easy. A, I have a confession to make. It's whether mm. I keep them, which is cheeky, cheeky of me that mm. I might wear them, but send them back. Um, <laughs> I've bought some joggers. Oh, like trackies. Yeah. <gasps> for, for this outfit, because she basically wears like blue trackies. So I was like, okay, oh. if they're for a costume, like. Oh, I thought this was like a change of heart. Like, <laughs> so, no, but I might keep them if they're really great. And also, if mm. I spill something on them and can't return them. Um, <laughs> mm. they, were che- they were cheap or whatever, but I'm, I am, I'm aware that I will always wear them like I'm aware of it you won't wear them as much because I have I have trackies and I've got my velour ones on these are my Mm. trusty like mink colored I've I've had these a while and I wear them a lot but when I leave the house I actually put on real clothes but I think I've got less respect for myself than you do I don't Um, I don't know where you (laughs) (laughs) because I leave the house in some dangerous clothes um Mainly out of like, so at the moment, this is a really boring story, but the parking outside my flat is an absolute diabolical nightmare. Mm. So if, um, like in the evening or if I've been somewhere and I come back mm. and there's not a parking spot, you can park oh. sort of on the yellow line until like 8.30 in the morning. Mm. So I literally normally you just jump roll out, out and... of bed, mm. I throw a coat on and mm. I'll be wearing my pyjamas underneath. I have to park my car like a five minute walk away from my flat mm. um, and just have no shame. Sometimes I'm in my dressing gown, sometimes I'm in my coat. I never look great. There's jazzy pajamas poking out. So I think I some think, yeah, joggers I think, might help those scenarios. Definitely. I think with joggers, the key for me at least, I like I like a matching set. Don't get me wrong, I don't really have many of those, but I think they can make you look like at least you showered and you put, <laughs> yeah. you put something together. But yeah, welcome to the club. Well, I'll let I'll I'll update you guys. I know it's really exciting. Um, 
if I keep them. But yeah, so that my outfit's pretty comfy. I also wanted something where I just didn't want to feel really wasteful of like buying an outfit just to wear it once. So I kind mm-hmm. of tried to get do a costume where I thought, well, if I spill stuff down it and like it, I'll keep but like the top and the the bottoms. It's not a matching set, but I I think I'd wear the stuff again. Um but yeah, please don't report me to ASOS. <laughs> it's fine to worry about it. <laughs> what is so my fashion, fashion story? story? Yeah. Uh, so mine is, you know, the travel luggage company, the really expensive guys, Ramoa. Oh. They are coming out with a personal, small, quote unquote, handbag version of oh. their luggage it's like a is it like a little trunk yeah they're coming out with one of those like there aren't enough trunks on the market (laughs) i mean at a time where we're not traveling um yeah it's innovative their their big ones i'm sure that this idea was on the cards from like last year and they Mm. were developing us you know developing and designing it and whatever um but they're coming out with a small personal version that's what they call it yeah quote unquote Mm. personal cool and i would love to know how much it's gonna cost well those suitcase sort of frame bags are really expensive to produce like they have to be like hand hand done on a block and that's like that's crazy expensive like i've worked at maybe two companies where we've done suitcase style mini Mm. trunks and one company it was like the top of their price point. It was their most expensive bag in the end because of it. I think it retailed for like over maybe like 1,200 or something like that. Mm. And they had bags ranging from sort of like 650, 550 upwards. Um, so it was right at the top of the spectrum. So it's quite like a a handmade sort of item. But that's, mm. that suits their brand, to be honest. And mm. I don't know, yeah. but cool. I like that. I mean, they've got like a case for your watches that cost. I know a thousand six hundred euros. So, you know, but it'll be cute. I mean, they'll pull it off. People are going to go, you know, batshit crazy for it. I think. And then, okay, so when I was doing some homework on this, I learned that their CEO is twenty-eight. He wow. is the son of you know LVMH God, and when his father bought a majority stake in Ramoa, he put him as the CEO at like 26 or something. Can you you believe? That's a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility at 26. It is. But I think when you grow up in a dynasty, you are positioned to be like, come onto my wing, son, from like... Doing the family business. Yeah. And learn how to lead a business. But for the past few years, Ramoa has had all those collaborations. Like, uh, like, didn't they have a Fendi one? Am I making this up? They had a a couple collaborations Mm. with other brands. And I mean, that seemed to be really popular. So he must be doing something right. You know, he's got his ear to the street, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully you sort of learn from from the big boss the big boss daddy mm, yeah so keep an mm. eye out for these little trunk i don't know how those little, little babies yeah those little baby ones so that's my fashion story
we interrupt this broadcast to remind you go follow us on instagram starloversubstancepod shoot us an email starloversubstancepeak at gmail.com find us on youtube find us on twitter we've got all the links on our instagram you know what to do but this week we are going back to another story time and this week is your scarlet it is mine it is mine and you just reminded me mm. of the fact that i still need to share another one but that is that is not a time today um you just reminded me of the of the Bentley to the yacht story. <laughs> um, That's my favourite quote. <laughs> but it's quite a short one, so if, if this story time doesn't end up being super long, maybe I'll add it at the end. Um, so yeah, this is one of like my first work trips that I'm going to tell you about. It might okay. even be the first, well, the first where I wasn't being a human courier. So the first where I actually had something to do at the other side. Um, so, yeah, well, welcome to Scarlett's first work trip. So it was a solo work trip. I'm going to set the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working at a company and um, we had designed and created these sort of fuzzy accessories and we had made the prototypes ourselves in the studio. And basically, I think beforehand, there wasn't sort of enough enough sort of appeal for those accessories that I think they were either just such small quantities that even the orders could have been made in-house mm-hmm. um, or something, or they were made some, by somebody um, but who we were no longer working with. But basically, I had sort of adjusted a pattern to basically make it how everyone was happy with um and then it had like different bits sewn on it and it was sort of this little fuzzy accessory very sort of fendi-esque but was it a key not. ring it or are we talking ring. about okay yeah. okay that's so cute like, I like love a bag those. accessory they were great they were really really cool mm. and so i'd spent like entire days sort of making our samples and all of that and for the next season but this prior season sort of production was needing to start and the the materials were arriving at the factory. Um, apologies, everybody, they were made of fur, so I'm going to refer to fur. Um, so, yeah, they, all the materials were being made, uh, supplied to the factory, so um, the production needed to start. And my job was to go and teach the factory how to make these accessories. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> bearing in mind at this point, I'm not an employee, I believe I was still an intern or something like that. Um, I mean, like I was, I, for all intents and purposes, I was basically an employee, but like, I was not full staff. Like I was still like this, like little, this little Scarlet. um, But I'm sure at the time you were thinking, I'm just an intern and I get to go on a trip. Oh, for sure. I was like, and also, I really like traveling. Like I quite enjoy planes and all of that stuff. Like mm. that doesn't, that doesn't it's a break from the routine yeah. and it makes it more exciting. It's a day out of the office. Like I used to love actually being sent on errands 
because it meant like the day went faster and stuff mm. like that like you kind of just got and also you just got to try and see like the best of certain things so basically we were working with a factory um in europe and obviously their first language was not english so i was very nervous about how that was going to happen and then the way it came about was that um i think we'd sent them our patterns but they had like we'd literally sent them like a little cardboard pattern of what they needed to do mm. but they were very sort of bloody minded and so I had to go and hand deliver a human courier style um, some of the accessories that they needed to put on. We had posted them some, some but mm. they claimed they hadn't got it. Well, mm. our DHL told us they got it. But mm-hmm. we thought, it you happened. know what? It's an inexpensive item. We've got more. Let's take it over and teach them how to make these because I think they were quite popular at the time and also you know we want them made properly and mm. when you're working with fur like you don't want people to waste it like yep. there's a real you know you've got to handle fur correctly and you don't want wastage and it's an expensive um, material it's yeah, not cheap exactly. and, it, yeah it's yeah. not it's not cheap so i fly like first thing um whiz air <laughs> oh classic i feel like i've been on whiz air isn't it like an eastern european like... i think it might be hungarian yeah um hungary's answer to ryanair basically yeah yeah but not it. as bad as ryanair um oh I've, i will fly ryanair. ryanair no but it's not got the hidden costs that ryanair okay. has at every every turnstile um so yeah wake up at the crack of dawn to get like this like the 7 a.m flight out to the factory um i get met at the airport by the factory owner um and we have like at least an hour's drive into the countryside to the factory Mm -hmm. so i'm just like sat in this dude's car whilst he's driving like a maniac never met him before and just like where are you taking me just like also kind of bewildering like you know what it's like when it's kind of it's not great countryside because you're going into an industrial section so it's not like there's loads necessarily to see and it was like winter and like the weather wasn't great you know what as you said all that (laughs) i'm gonna remind you of a trip we took to milan i know i know I know. Just in a car with a stranger thinking, (laughs) I swear I've been taught not to do this. Yeah, and there was a part where someone made a joke about, like, killing us. and, And, like, getting dumped in the middle of, like, Swiss mountains or some shit. You were just like, they're like, (laughs) you're like, (laughs) funny joke. But don't do that. (laughs) Okay, carry on. My life was in this man's hands. And we get to the we get to the factories and it's really interesting like seeing the factory. It's the first time I've seen the factories or a factory and I get shown around and all of that stuff. And then I'm just like, okay, so should we and I had a few questions maybe also to uh, like answer on certain things. And I was like, you know, should we get started with this? Like we don't know how long it's gonna take. And obviously I've got to fly back that day because God forbid I would get a hotel and stay there. So we had like by you know, and by the time you have to get back to the airport, so like I think the flight out would have been maybe at like seven as well. So by the time it's an hour's drive there and all of that stuff, there's not much time. I then get in this room with an average age of women must have maybe been seventy. 
Okay. And they're going to learn how to make this accessory. Oh, okay. So I'm there probably like 21. <laughs> Don't know the language they speak because it wasn't even the language of the country we were in. Not that I knew that language anyway. So I then had to say it to the factory owner's wife who would then translate it to these women and I felt like the most obnoxious young girl trying to teach these women how to make something that I'm not being funny if I've managed it. Like that's their actual job. Like their profession is creating and making accessories. Mm. But the problem is, is that we'd given them a pattern and basically what we were making were like little pom-poms or balls essentially. And we made that out of a square And so you sew all around the outside of the square and then you stuff it and you drawstring it and it creates a nice ball. Mm. But their rationale was, well, it's a round object. So the pattern should be round. It should be a circle. But they had based the circle off of our square. So they'd basically like cut all the corners off of our square to make it circular. And they'd cut out all of the fur but then they were too small for the size because <laughs> they'd cut off all of that. And also it doesn't need to be round to make it a ball. Spherical, yeah. Um, and so I was having to argue with this man and all these ladies over the fact that they'd cut it all out wrong and why hadn't they followed the pattern despite feeling like I've got no authority in a room and mm. I'm not naturally a confrontational person. And also trying to sort of remain what I think is professional. So I'm just there like, oh my God, what is going on? Like having sort of like that outer body moment where you sort of look in a room where I'm just surrounded by like 70 year old women who don't speak the same language. I'm going to tell them off because they haven't followed my instructions, but try and then teach them anyway how to make these things. Um, And it was just so embarrassing having to like, be like and then we sew this bit um and then wait for the ladies to sort of like do it and I had to like show and tell sort of in front of them oh my god and let's be honest if their craft is making things they're probably a much more of a dab hand at sewing than I am they were um, probably went back to the tea room after the session they with were 100 like, bitching about me they were just like how cute this young lady comes here and tells us how I to know. make a fort oh I but she know. but she did such a lovely job she did yes she did and oh they, like, they wouldn't have been oh it would have been the nerve that girl had of trying to tell us how to make this <laughs> I just could tell, I could see their faces. They were all sort of murmuring to each other. And I was just there like, are you serious? And then while we were there doing this fabulous tutorial, um, it starts snowing outside and quite heavily. Mm. So then the factory owner's like, I think we need to head off to the airport. Like, oh god you, we don't want you to get like stuck and because of the snow the traffic's going to be bad or blah blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. i can't have even been there for more than two hours oh god and i had to then just drive that hour back to the airport with this man and like we did in milan trusting strangers with our lives i fell asleep in the car which <gasps> is yeah he could have driven past anyway. the airport Anywhere. I mean, we knew him in terms of he was a factory owner, but like I didn't know him. And also, I don't fall asleep 
with the, like some of my friends because I don't think that's always like very nice to fall asleep in front of people like <laughs> you want to keep them company if they're driving or something like yeah. that but I was just exhausted from this like draining day yeah I mean being up at like four trying to like not be the biggest dick in the world to these women um so yeah then like oh drive God. back after it not even really being a long enough time to see if they've made the pom-poms properly but that's the thing like it's so tight of them yeah. let's be frank so tight for them for you to do some like quick turnaround trip like that oh. in a day like they could have put you in a premiere in like I know. the european version or wherever you are I'm pretty sure the factory owners would have let me stay at their house. Like, do you know what I mean? They're those sorts of people. Well, Not that so that's I would the want thing that. you should be worrying about. <laughs> I, I also, I feel like they were like, oh, why don't you just stay? Like, you can go out with our daughter. Like, you can go out, like, clubbing or something oh, like that. Oh, God, and that sounds like, like my parents, like, yeah. trying to convince me to, like, go out with one of my school friends. Like, oh, you know that friend of yours? She's lovely. You should go out with her or something. Oh, mate, I don't need a play date. <laughs> yeah, they were making a play date for me and the daughter. I was like, oh, no, 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 I've got to get back. I think it was maybe like a Friday or something like that. So they were like, you know, you should like stay for the weekend, like come stay mm. or whatever. And I was like, well, I've got a flight back. Um, but yeah, the the really sad thing is, obviously money is tight and you don't want to have that added expense Mm. of staying overnight but let's be honest the most that's ever going to be is like 50 60 quid yeah and I know that can add up but but really it you also have to sort of weigh up like was I able to get much done Mm -hmm. did I have to wake up at x time and like all of that kind of a thing and how long has then my working day been Mm. Um, and I guess also then you have maybe some more food costs if someone stays there like longer and all of that stuff but it's um what they could have done which is what we used to try and blag in my old role is like how can we get a two-day one-night trip out of the company so you would think let's plan multiple objectives Mm. for for the weekend or for the time that you're in the other country and you say okay we're going to train these older ladies how to make pom-poms you know out of fur whatever but let's also go and see how they run the factory see if it's you know a contact or a supplier that we want to continue having and then they just task you with other stuff to do while you're out there to make it worth their while because, I mean, that's cheaper than doing two separate trips. Um, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, in, in fashion, you always want to blag those trips because, let's be honest, those are the oh, those are the nice perks. At the moment, that's what I'm missing most is just kind of a regular travel. I mean, mostly not traveling anywhere. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it was just crazy. And then, like, in a stark contrast, then the last trip I did with that company was two weeks long. Oh. like where did you we, go for that um we were in Hungary for a few days and then Italy for the most of it but yeah we just um visited our factories launching products and then just didn't want to rush it we wanted to like take our time and yeah it was over a week like it was yeah over a weekend and stuff like that so I got to explore and really enjoy it And also then you can kind of make the best of it. You work all day at factories and you come back into like the city, into like Florence or something like that. Mm. And it's 
much more enjoyable but yeah I, and also the worst thing as well when you don't really have any authority and no one's really prepped you and I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a nervous person but I like to ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. more in preparation of like so can I tell them this or am I allowed to make this decision or do yeah. I have to call you for everything this or whatever mm-hmm. And just the worst thing when you get to a place is that, like, they ask you a question, you've got to call your boss and be like, um, they've just asked this. Mm. Um, they've cut out all the fur roll. What should we do? Mm. Um, like, oh, they're not even letting me finish my masterclass. I'm on my way back to the airport. What should I do? And it's kind of that thing of why should they, like, why should those women, like, it just Trust you. feels like a little girl's turned up and... Mm. Like, and of course like, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have had any responsibility then. And obviously that lo- the later trip, I had uh, more responsibility and was able to sign off on things and was there with like the correct, my correct team to make all the decisions there. And then that we weren't picking up the phone, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it was crazy. It was such a weird thing that it was like my first thing. I remember my parents being like, wow, they must really trust you to do that. <laughs> and I was like, it's because they've got nobody else and it's because I'm disposable like as in they don't need me every day in the office whereas like I mean if you go fashion like obviously you have you know that like people are pulled so thin with tasks Mm. that like even missing a day sometimes is like not ideal so yeah a really glamorous day of (laughs) liaising with old ladies and don't get me wrong, I love old ladies. I was more saddened at the fact that, obviously, these ladies probably shouldn't be working any longer. Sometimes you just want to keep your brain ticking over um, yeah. at that age. But, yeah, I have a question for you. So you were obviously in the office having to design these bag charms, keychains, whatever. And you're, as a designer, putting thing together, things together and seeing how they work to create something that's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you're not a manufacturer to say that the way you've decided to execute this item is a way that it's going to ensure this keychain is durable and going to last and it's done with, like, quality control in mind and stuff. So didn't you feel like nervous to be like, oh yeah, this is just something I tried to like piece together in the office. And this is how you guys need to go on and make like a hundred more of these, just like I I did with this one. Yeah, definitely. And also because like you we didn't design it in a way to be like mass produced and not that they were making like hundreds of thousands, but mm. still like like even just me making the samples would be like serious work. And also it's quite difficult sewing through leather or sewing through fur. And obviously, I think we only had sewing needles. They probably would have had proper needles. But like Mm. it hurts your hands after a while as well. And I know that's their trade and maybe their hands are a bit roughened to it. Yeah. But absolutely, because I mean, I hadn't even studied bags, but I'd studied fashion. So I understand how patterns work and all of that stuff. But you're right, like part of what you pay a factory for is to manufacture it so that it doesn't break after the first use or or all of that stuff and and that is a really difficult thing because actually 
in time and that's why our trips became a lot longer and also as a company we realized that that was what to invest in and all of that stuff and you know you've got to plan with foresight rather than having all these last minute trips where you're trying to skimp on money because you're doing it almost in the in an effort to save money on shipping or something like that and mm. um, but it should be really collaborative like I'm a big believer I think I've mentioned it before as a designer I can have an idea but mm. it's the manufacturers are the people who've got the skill of how yeah, to, make, to it. make it all of like our learning should come from them mm. like and they know so much more than I ever will and like it should definitely be like collaborative which is what it used to be on those sort of week long two week long trips as you go this is what we want to make this is what like um the sketches and this would happen a lot more with maybe like hardware Mm-hmm. where it's got a functionality where I'm not an engineer like or a physicist or like whatever yeah. so I've in my head thought of the best way for it to be but then so I'll kind of even like sketch how I think the contraction should work or whatever it is or the hinging or um whatever system it has but then I'm like but you tell us because this also has this much weight pulling off of it or mm, like the mechanics um, of the yeah. design and the and that's actually of one of the hardest things is for these people to make especially like a bag lock and if you've got a top handle on a bag there's mm. that's there's this pulling action that would rip open like a magnet if the magnet's not super strong um but then you need to have a really strong magnet your lock has to be a certain size it's all of this stuff that kind of um makes it very difficult to sort of have um yeah ornate or different contraption like the amount of times we've had to change a lock on a bag because it's got a top handle mm. and then the flap would just yeah. fall open or something like that um, it's a nightmare <laughs> mm. the, but the factories probably warned you about that and it's us being like no we want it to work this way we have to find a solution you have to find a solution mm. it's us not listening normally mm. that's really interesting you have to have yeah have to have good relationships with those who's going to make your stuff I'm, yeah and also i'm like so that place was very collaborative and really had nice relationships with factories mm. and then sort of the second place that I went to um after that they just didn't really have any relationship with their factories and chopped and changed them all the time and I just thought well you're never going to get anything good from them yeah because actually those things do take time and unless you're a Chanel or a Gucci or a Fendi and your quantities are high factories aren't going to pay you loads of time so actually the mm. best way of getting their attention or getting their hard work is to build a nice relationship because you're never going to be the main breadwinner for them mm. if, unless you're like a Chanel or whatever um but I mean even those sorts of companies I completely speculation what I'm going to say but even these other luxury brands they have designs they come out with designs and variations of things where they do small runs like the Mm. Chanel bags is someone might have a tweed in a pink and a tweed in a silver or something really unusual and there's a very small run of them and you may never see anyone else with that variation Mm. so I think that regardless of 
I think those who are putting in those big orders are like the Primarchs of the world. But if you really want something that is going to look amazing and is going to be like so on brand mm. as the Chanel's want something that looks like quintessentially Chanel, mm. then you're going to have to foster and develop that really deep relationship. Yeah, for sure. Because there's also like a, like, there's almost like a tone of voice or something like that that you mm. can imagine. Like, imagine with marketing a brand's got a font it's got a color palette it's got all of that and I guess there's the same thing with the thickness of thread or what colors that you always go back to and all of that stuff or a style of stitching or like Mm -hmm. all of that stuff in there like you know there's all these different ingredients or recipes that make up a brand Mm. and I love all that stuff like it's so interesting all of that side of things yeah so traveling for as a designer, how many trips did you used to get a year? Or was it just for you in your experience, you were just like the one who would do the sort the smaller sorts of trips or ad hoc trips out of, you know, need? Um, or is it something that designers on a whole do recurringly? Um, so to begin with, when I was like an intern and design assistant, um, they would be the more ad hoc. Scarlet, mm. like something needs to get there. Like, can you go? Is that okay? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I would always be game for that anyway. Like, yeah, I get to go to play and get to do this. I'm sure. But as you get more senior mm. um, and we had quite a small team by the end. And also it's part of your development is that it's a really important thing to be able to speak to the factories and understand Mm. how things are made and it helps you learn more. It's a really regular thing that every time you're launching stuff, you would go and then maybe you would go back again for like the first proto that they've made. So we used to sort of take like what's called maquettes. So like a little mock-up of a bag or of a style. We would then like talk them through like our technical pack of how it's made. And they would tell us if there might be any issues during that time. They'd maybe then show us some solutions for that. They'd show us the mock-up. We'd then sort of know if that's obviously the right size because paper can only give you so much. Mm. Um and yeah, we do all of that. And so then you'd go back again to see these first protos once they were made. And then we'd give our comments and our tweaks. Um, and then we would maybe go back again for like the set, the final prototype. But often they would also be sent. But we realized it was worth it to go regularly mm. because you get so much more of it out of the factory. And also they can do stuff there and then whilst you're there rather than them sending all these protos to you only to then like email back your comments like it's so much better to do it sort of there and with and you can fully explain yourself yeah Yeah. and like obviously there was a language barrier but we actually had people who would translate for us or obviously they'd have some sort of levels of English anyway but yeah so then it becomes very often and I actually really enjoyed that side of things because I quite like um not having sort of an everyday routine job I think I think that's a nice thing about especially working in design is that it's not a nine to five staring at spreadsheets all day sort of a job it's a very varied job so it's quite nice to mix up uh, it up even more and it feels like a perk if you're doing it with nice people and Mm. that stuff but don't get me wrong I've had some pretty boring work trips where you're not that fussed about who you went with or 
they've got their own agenda and no people and you're just kind of like all right I'll get dinner alone then shall I cool oh god you got yeah. dinner alone yeah but I mean I don't mind stuff like that but then yeah also, you don't but um, still it's a bit like standoffish not for you but like if they, if they yeah but wanna... it's probably someone that you don't want to have dinner with either and Fair actually enough. like you know mm. yes you would it would have been fine but it's not relaxing you know when you've had a really long day so imagine you're, you've been like wake up and you go to a factory and you're there all day mm. and then and you've been with your colleagues all day and then you come back and you go out for dinner with your colleagues that's true yeah, like, yeah and if you like them, the chat isn't about work. But if you don't really get along that well, it can't help but be about work. And so then you yeah. don't ever get to switch off or do the stuff that when you're at work, you forget that you don't see those people all the time mm. um, and have all your meals with them and stuff like that. Um, but to be honest, for the most part, I've worked with people where it's been really enjoyable. But every now and then you're kind of like, either with someone super senior where you're like, on your best behavior or mm. like all of that yeah that's, mm. my, that's my story of um me and my old ladies well oh, i'm sure they remember ladies. you just as much as you remember them look at that that scarlet such a bright young girl <laughs> well that was a that was a really informative story time actually for those people who are thinking about design and i mean because trips really are what we devil wears prada fantasize about yeah, yeah it's, it's not it's not like the Paris trip in Devil Wears Prada but but also it, it is expected of you after a certain level so one of my colleagues actually really hated flying and so like you you do have to be prepared for that I know some people aren't the biggest fan of like flying or don't want to leave like their loved ones and all that stuff mm-hmm. for like long long spaces of time or a bit like not wanting to do that but it is sort of something that you do have to prepare yourself for but yeah guys thanks again for listening to style of a substance as scarlet has said before follow us on instagram like our posts somewhere and give us a five star rating share this podcast with your friends and family who you think are going to enjoy this what else what else we got going on um yeah i said the five star review um you're not listening no (laughs) Uh, But thanks again, guys. We will see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.